this week's episode of the All Things Bama podcast, Mason Katie and Joy discuss the craziness that was Alabama versus Tennessee, an early look into Saturday's match against Mississippi State and the nation's new number one soccer team. It's the All Things Bama podcast, a part of the Bama Central Podcast Network. Podcast, a part of the Bama Central Podcast Network. I am your host, Mason Smith, alongside Joey Blackwell and Katie Windham. Guys, we saw probably one of the most memorable college football games of recent memory as Alabama took on Tennessee. Unfortunately, it was a 52-49 loss for the Crimson Tide as Tennessee knocked in a last-second field goal through goalposts that are no longer there. But again, it was still a very memorable game. Katie, starting with you, it was a lot to kind of take away offensively, defensively. What were some of your, you know, takeaways from Alabama this Saturday? Yeah, you know, offensively, um, I, I think we saw no. Um, I, I was kind of confused about, or not confused, concerned about, you know, Bryce Young's um, playing ability, you know, with what we'd heard throughout the week about his shoulder and how limited he was in practice and how little he'd thrown the ball. And um, Bryce Young had about as good of a performance as you could ask of him. I believe it was the second highest, you know, yardage total they ever had at Alabama. Um, he did everything to put Alabama in a position to win that game, um, basically. And I think another good thing on offense is we saw a lot more receivers getting involved again. We saw Cameron Latu's best game of the year, you know, when he was someone that was a big weapon last season for the Crimson Tide, got injured uh, in fall camp and missed the first game. And I think it's kind of slowly been working its way back. Um, but you know, offensively, I think there's a lot that you're happy with. Obviously, the the drop by Gibbs on the last um, drive of the game hurts a lot. Um, there's, you know, some lack of execution on offense. But you, it, it's hard to fault the offense when you score 49 points. Now, defensively, it was a whole another issue. You know, obviously giving up um, 52 points is never ideal. And, um, you know, there's – there's a lot, you know, we talked to Will Anderson on Monday and, um, you know, he said there's some frustration and anger among the defense that, that that's not how they want to play. Obviously it was a pretty dejected Will Anderson. He's normally a pretty upbeat guy with the media and he was pretty, um, you know, you could tell he was pretty frustrated on Monday. And so, um, but I, I, you know, there's a lot we can get into. So um, I'll, I'll quit blabbing and I'll let you or Joey get into more of it. Please, it's not an issue to listen to you talk football knowledge because there was a lot to take away, especially with the the penalties, 17 penalties. That is a new Alabama school record. Joey, man, we can talk about the penalties. We can talk about the issue with the special teams. We can talk about the defense. Where do you want to start? Well, let's start with the penalties. I think that was one of the biggest points of the game. Um, You know, I I think it was uh, due to lack of discipline. And that's something that Nick Saban said himself, you know, today, there's lack of discipline, lack of focus. Um, I know a lot of Alabama fans are clamoring right now saying that, you know, a lot of these penalties weren't justified, but let's, let's, you know, I don't exactly have a, have a breakdown right in front of me, but what I can say is 
even if you take away the two or three penalties that were debatable, that's still four, roughly 14 penalties that a lot of them were just due to lack of discipline. You know, nobody can make you jump off sides. I mean, they can, but like nobody still, nobody makes you jump off sides. Nobody makes you commit a false start. You know, Saban said today that that's, you know, how, how do you com- combat that? You look at, watch the football. You know, if you're on offensive line, you watch the football and ignore the snap. If you're on defense, you watch the football and ignore the count, you know? So, um, you know, I, those penalties are are not forced on you by anybody. An official is not just going to blow that call, at least not very often. And we didn't see it in that game. Um, and Nick Saban also, you know, just to go back to what he said today, the way that you fix that is by practice. You know, habits are formed in practice, whether those habits are, go- are good or bad. Um, and the way that you combat that is to handle it in practice and, to, you know, form better habits. So um, obviously Alabama is going to have its hands full against a really solid Mississippi State offense this weekend. Um, the defensive back struggled against uh, Tennessee and Hendon Hooker. Um, I think they have a really big um, job ahead playing Will Rogers, who leads the SEC in passing this weekend. So it's not going to be easy just because this is this is a ten- this is a Mississippi State team that's ranked 24th and not, you know, sixth like Tennessee was. Um, that doesn't make them any less of a threat. So there's a lot to work on heading into this next week. I'm sure we'll get into that um, shortly, but um, yeah, just there's a lot to work on from and to learn from um, from this Tennessee game. No, ab- absolutely. And even if you want to not focus so much on the 17, the individual number, Alabama's had double digit penalties on the road every game this year. So penalties has always been a constant issue. They are last in college football with 66 penalties, 131st. It, it's just been an absolute struggle for them. And of course, one thing we don't we don't we want to talk about, want to just avoid, oh, that that muffed punt, that that struggle with return by by Q Robinson. It was a very rough scene. I remember, you know, you you guys sitting on either side of me. It was just an insane look in the press box. We're watching, we're trying to see, you know, did Kool Aid touch it? Did it hit his foot? Um, nobody ever thought that. But then as you're watching the play develop, you're like, what is he doing? Why is he going for that ball? And not only that, he failed to secure it. In in their own territory. So now they gave Tennessee great field position. And then Katie, I remember you talking about it, you know, even but well before today, how because of that, it just sucked whatever momentum Alabama had, you know, sucked it right out the stadium because they just couldn't get that uh, fumble recovery. Yeah, it really couldn't have, you know, kind of been a worse set of circumstances for Alabama right there. After the defense had been struggling to stop the Tennessee offense, they not only get their first stop, it's a three and out. And so, you know, the defense got to be feeling good. You get off the field finally. Um, not only that, it's, you know, offense is going to get the ball in pretty good field position because it's a three and out. And then because it wasn't the greatest punt ever, you're going to get an even better field position. The defense is going to get to rest a little bit. The offense is going to get and get back out on the field and maybe cut into that Tennessee lead. Um, and then you have that play happen. And I remember I made a note, you know, in the, the notes I keep during the game when that momentum happened, when that play happened, that if Alabama loses, I think this is a play you're going to be able to look back on. And, um, you know, no one will really be able to know what was going through Robinson's mind on that play except for him, which we won't ever get to speak to him about that because um, special teams <laughs> his only role. So he's not a guy that normally talks to the media. But, um, yeah, definitely, which, you know, even beyond that, um, you know, Alabama still made the comeback. They tied the game. They took the lead at 35-34. You know, um, it, it it really is crazy that, you know, with all the penalties, with all the mistakes, with all the miscues, with all the busted coverages on defense, that um, 
they had the chance. They had the ball with 30 seconds left, the Tennessee 32-yard line, to win the game um, and didn't. But that they were still able to, you know, on the road kind of overcome um, those type of mistakes um, to even make it as close as it was. And um, But, yeah, I think that that play on special teams ended up being um, a real bummer for multiple reasons. But really, when you look back, like I said, they still were able to come back and tie the game after that. So was that play alone what cost them the game? No, but it was one of the many things that um, helped Alabama secure its first loss this season. No, there are a lot of things that you can everybody can point to as Alabama's loss this year. And, Joey, one thing that me and you have talked about since the game is the big plays. The big plays that the Alabama defense did give up. Nick Saban mentioned that in the post-game press conference. He wasn't really worried about the no-huddle offense that, in my opinion, they did seem to do well. It was really the big plays. Jalen Hyatt for Tennessee had a career game, over 200 yards, five touchdown receptions. Um, unfortunately, they were really attacking our dime defense trying when they were trying to match up with Tennessee's passing offense, but it put a lot of our safeties in you know tough coverages against the Tennessee's best receivers. So it was kind of like a tall order to take for Alabama secondary, which did – they didn't have questions coming in, but people weren't sold on them 100% compared to other secondaries that Alabama is known for. But, Joey, what did, what did you see from that? What did I see from what? I'm sorry, what's the specific question here? Just just the Alabama secondary during the Tennessee game. Okay. Um, yeah, sorry about that. I zoned out for a little bit there. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, as far as the defensive backs, you know, this is something that Alabama's been really need to work on all season. Um, you know, we thought going into it that they had – one of the more talented rosters that we've seen in quite some time. Um, and they still do. They still have a very deep rotation at defensive back, but we just have seen a lot of a lot of things that need to be ironed out. You know, we're still seeing them being rotated in and out. We're not seeing, you know, we are kind of starting to see consistent starters there. But, you know, you have a – this is a defensive back group that has, you know, one of the best one of the best safeties in the country, and uh, Eli Ricks is, um, you know, not, not playing this year. And so if he's not playing well and the guys are, are playing ahead of him, um, <clears throat> that's a, that's a cause for concern, uh, that if, if, you know, if these are the guys that really are the best on the roster that are starting, you know, each and every game. Um, but, you know, like you said, you know, they gave up, a, I think it was 385 yards to Hendon Hooker, obviously five touchdowns, just not a good day for them. And as I kind of noted earlier, you know, this is a Mississippi state team that's coming this weekend that has just as deadly of a passing attack and they really need to, you know, get that under wraps, you know, as, as far as big plays are concerned, you know, Tennessee had um, had, you know, in terms of big plays, which if people don't know, big plays are plays with a gain of 15 plus yards. They had they had 266 passing yards gained on 17 plays of 15 plus yards when it came to passing. And then in, in terms of gains of 10 of 10 plus yards, um, they had, they had, uh, when it came to rushing big plays, they gave up five for 64 total yards. So that's a lot of of big gains, both uh, in the air and on the ground. So um it's, it's something it we haven't seen from the defense until Texas A&M. They hadn't really given up any explosive plays, which they even talked about today when he was asked about it. It's really just become an issue the last two weeks, the explosive plays. And like you were pointing out so eloquently with the stats there, Joey, like <laughs> it was – it was that wasn't sarcastic. Um, it, it was a huge, huge, huge problem against Tennessee that, you know, they don't want to see against Mississippi State. No, definitely, definitely on that. And honestly, with Alabama, when else the Alabama in the passing game, defensively, we, did, we discussed, you know, the issue they have, but offensively, you know, people aren't really sold on Alabama's wide receivers either. Now, granted, just to look at some of the stats that Alabama wide receivers put up, 
the leading reception, the leading reception guy for Alabama was Kobe Prentice, nine receptions for 66 yards, followed by Cameron Latu. Again, we mentioned six receptions for 90 yards and a touchdown. He looked, you know, much better than we've seen him throughout the year. Ja'Cory Brooks also had six receptions for 79 yards and a touchdown. We even got a chance to talk to Ja'Cory during the press conference. It was kind of hard to focus looking at his eye. I hope he is okay. That was that was a very distracting look for anybody that saw that. My goodness, I thought he was in a street fight before he got up there. But he, other than that, he talked about how they got to continue to work through, <clears throat> excuse me, just kind of working through their progressions, kind of just improving. But the last thing I want to discuss in terms of Alabama's offense when we kind of transition topics is Bryce Young. Again, Katie, you talked about how Bryce Young could not have played virtually any better, you know, after missing last week's game with an injury, 455 yards, two touchdowns. So understanding that Bryce Young as a competitor, he, he cares about the team. He cares about, <clears throat> you know, the overall dynamic of the program, but just kind of focusing on his performance for a second. Bryce Young, again, is up for another Heisman. This, this is a pretty great performance with 455 yards. Now, granted, he didn't come away with the win. Hendon Hooker, equally good performance, 385 yards, 70% completion, something he's continued throughout the year. So either, either one of you guys, I'll probably start with Joey. Just where do you think Bryce Young's individual performance kind of has him amongst the Heisman candidates this year? I mean, no doubt that he had a fantastic performance. I mean, yes, he had more passing yards and more completions than Hendon Hooker, but Hendon Hooker had the stat that mattered, and that's five touchdowns compared to two. Um, if I'm a Heisman voter and I have to pick between two of those two, this is going to make a lot of Alabama fans mad, but I'm picking Hendon Hooker because guess what? They're the team that walked away with the win. <laughs> and at the end of the day, you know, that's what really matters. I mean, that really matters, you know, when Heisman Trophy voters are looking at these these teams at the end of this season – um, these are the games they're going to look at. You know, if Hendon Hooker and Bryce Young are both Heisman finalists, you know, you got to give the edge to Hooker just because these voters do take head-to-head matchups into account. Now, I get it that Bryce Young and Hendon Hooker don't face each other on the field. You know, it's not a, you know, they don't exactly, you know, have a have a play Oklahoma drills at the 50-yard line, but that's not what matters. What matters is how they able to perform against opposing defenses and you know, at the end of the day, you know, this Alabama defensive back core is supposed to be better than Tennessee's. And Hendon Hooker was able to throw five touchdowns on them, including those deep plays, those big plays that we talked earlier. So, you know, I, I don't want to sit here and glorify Bryce Young and 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 not give credit to, you know, where it's deserved with Hendon Hooker. He played an outstanding game. Obviously, it's good to see Bryce Young back, you know, especially, you know, we were watching him warm up and didn't so much as have an extra, you know, shoulder shoulder stretch, you know, that more than he normally would. Um, he looked like he'd never gotten hurt. So that's a good sign for Alabama moving forward. But got to give credit where it's due. Hendon Hooker really blew me away this past weekend and no doubt really increased his Heisman odds. Look, I, I think voters around the country obviously have a ton of respect for Bryce Young. They voted him the Heisman winner last year pretty um, overwhelmingly. But I think just it was a very impressive individual performance for him. And like I said earlier, he did everything to put his team in a position to win. You can't put that loss on him at all. But I think because of the time he's missed with the injury, because of maybe some lower statistical games earlier in the year to start out, um, just because Alabama didn't have to throw the ball a lot against teams like Utah State and ULM. Um, I, I, I think Bryce is going to have to, you know, t- take Alabama all the way through the SEC, an SEC championship game like he did last year with a really impressive SEC title game performance and put up really big numbers the rest of the way um, in order to become, you know, the second person ever to win the Heisman twice. Cause I just think 
I, I just don't think he's put up the type of numbers. If he, if he keeps putting up numbers like he put up Saturday against Tennessee, then yeah, I think he's going to vault himself back into that conversation. But um, I think, you know, right now, CJ Stroud and uh, um, CJ Stroud from Ohio State and Hendon Hooker, obviously from, t- from Tennessee, um, that all Alabama fans got to watch this past Saturday are probably a little more in that conversation right now. But I wouldn't, I would never count count Bryce Young quite out of it just yet. No, I, I definitely think no one's really counting out Bryce Young, but to both of you guys' credit, Hendon Hooker had a really outstanding performance against the Crimson Tide. Now Tennessee is ranked number three in the nation. Alabama's ranked number six. And kind of to go ahead and transition points, looking towards Mississippi State. Mississippi, Mississippi State's offense, I know I mentioned last week how Tennessee is you know, one-dimensional, which is kind of not accurate. Their, their running game did kind of appear and make some key contrib- contributions. Looking at Mississippi State, statistically speaking, they are definitely one-dimensional. Just looking at the raw statistics, they are second at SEC in passing yards per game. But when it comes to the rushing yards, they are dead last, dead last in the SEC with 94.57 rush yards per game. So, Joey, kind of going back to you, when it comes to looking at Mississippi State, yeah, Will Rogers, you know, he is right now the passing leader in the SEC. Like, that passing offense is legitimate. You know, Will Anderson said during the press conference that it is, it is an air raid offense. But with a rejuvenated Alabama defense and an offense that doesn't really capitalize on the run game compared to Tennessee, where where does it kind of leave Mississippi as they get ready to face a Will Anderson, a Toto, a Braswell, and that – all in infamous cheetah package that we didn't where we heard all last week leading up to Tennessee. Yeah, you know, you know, as I touched on earlier, this is a dynamic, you know, passing attack, you know, as is any Mike Leach, you know, air raid style offense. Um, you know, Will Rogers has, you know, tw- over 2,300 passing yards. Like you said, he leads the SEC, but equally impressive. He has 23 touchdowns, which sets an roughly an average of a touchdown for every hundred yards he throws, which that ain't too shabby. Um, you know, I, I think they also have, you know, a, a decent bit of talented wide receivers, you know, in Marks, um, who had seven receptions for 60 yards against Kentucky in that loss. Um, both these teams are coming off of losses, but I would like to touch on the fact that, you know, this is kind of history repeating itself. You know, last season we saw um, Alabama lose at Texas A&M by a, a field goal as clock expired. They turned around the next week and beat um, Mississippi State at Mississippi State. I think the final score is 49-9. to and then this year, we're having a very similar situation. Alabama went to Tennessee and lost by a last-second field goal. And you know, one of the, and now we're about to play Mississippi State, or they're about to play Mississippi State again. Excuse me. Um, but I, I, so that's as a history major uh, that it makes me happy to see those kind of congruencies. But, uh, but no, uh, I, I really like what I see from this Mississippi State passing attack, and it's definitely going to give Alabama some problems. Now that being said. Um, they are very, like you said, very one-sided. Um, I don't see this rushing um, attack being able to really do much. Credit to where it's due, you know, Kentucky has a really solid defensive line, um, and and they were able to hold, and they, but they were able to hold Mississippi State to just 22 uh, rushing yards off of 10 attempts. Um, but and I so I think those numbers are a little bit deceiving. Um, I think this Mississippi State rushing game is a little bit better than that. Um, but you know, I don't think that Kentucky's front seven can, you know, hold a candle to Alabama's front seven. So it's going to be a long day if Mississippi state can't, um, get the run going. Um, but that being said, we just saw Alabama's defensive backfield just get absolutely exposed by Hendon Hooker. So we'll have to see what, you know, what Will Rogers has in store. I think it's also a little bit of a different because Mississippi state is an air raid offense, they and like it's like they kind of accept that they're one dimensional. They don't even attempt to run the ball that much. So Alabama can 
defend the pass more. You know, against Tennessee, Alabama doesn't know what's going to happen clearly on any given play if it's going to be a runner <laughs> pass. Um, but I think this year a little more prepared for it. It's kind of honestly, Mike Leach, you know, obviously his personality is just such an enigma anyway. But I feel like as a coach, he's such an enigma because today Coach Saban was saying that, you know, Mike Leach is one of the hardest people to prepare for, but it's not like they've had a ton of troubles. We talked about earlier, you know, Miss um, B.C. hasn't scored a touchdown against uh, Alabama under Leach. And so, you know, this past week they only scored 17 against Kentucky, like you said, and their other loss against LSU, they only scored 16 points. So sometimes we see this Mississippi State offense air raid be super explosive, and then it's like sometimes, which I I don't I didn't watch any of the Mississippi State Kentucky game obviously this week because we were in Knoxville, but um, I saw some post game quotes where Mike Leach you know took full blame for the offensive performance because he's the one that calls the plays, and so they're really kind of an enigma that I don't think you know they're too concerned about even necessarily trying to get the running game going against Alabama, but um, if they will be able to attack that. Alabama secondary with with Will Rogers, like you said, Joey. So just kind of comparing some stats, we looked at Hendon Hooker last week, you know, had the ability to scramble. On this season, Hendon Hooker has 287 yards rushing. No, of course, nothing that's just out of the world of the quarterbacks. Looking at Will Rogers, Will Rogers has negative 68 yards rushing on this season. That I think that kind of just goes more into the idea of Mississippi State kind of just being one-dimensional. So that's one thing I'm looking forward to. And Joey, oh, my goodness. I'm sorry. Just wanted to shout out shout out to Joey's daughter that made an appearance on the podcast. Sorry, Penny wanted to come in and hop on for a second say hey to everybody. So she just came in here for a second. But it did mean to derail the podcast, but she wanted to hop up in my lap. So <laughs> Look, like, we, like we said on our special edition with Wes Hart, all things Bama is a pet-friendly podcast. It is a pet-friendly podcast. But – I, I think we and I think we kind of talked about it before, but look with Alabama with not Alabama's with Mississippi State's air raid offense. I think this is an opportunity for Alabama's defensive backs to kind of kind of have a their own version of a revenge game. Their chance to really step up and say, "Look, we are just better than how we've played before. We are better than you know the the 385 yards we gave up than Hen Hooker. Like we, there is no one person that's at fault. Like yes, Kool Aid McKinstry, according to the stats, only got targeted once throughout the game." And yes, DeMarco Helms is kind of like the main person on the highlights and looking kind of like the bad guy when Tennessee scores. But it's it's more than just him. The, the whole Alabama secondary, you know, shares that responsibility. So depending on how they perform this weekend, I think it's a really chance to kind of reestablish that secondary's, you know, credibility and legitimacy going forward. So that's what I'm, I'm thinking I'm looking forward to this weekend. But go ahead. Go ahead, Joey. Well, you know, one thing I think we should emphasize before, you know, moving on is um, – just talking about what Nick Saban said today about how this, you know, this team's approach to the game. You know, he talked about how they usually chant when they're heading onto the field and how they didn't, they weren't doing that. And Saban was wondering why they weren't doing that. This was a team that really listened to, it seems like this seems like this team is very susceptible to outside noise and they listen to it a lot. And this is something that Nick Saban has hounded on for years. You know, he calls it rat poison. Um, but I think that's been in a, even a bigger case this year. I don't know why that is, but I think that, you know, he's uh, even Will Anderson said that they had a lot of anxiety heading into this game and before the game. And it's, you know, when it comes to stuff like that, you know, you, it's almost like you lose the game before you even step foot on the football field, you know, on, onto the turf. And I just wanted to bring that up because I don't think Alabama will have that same approach to Mississippi State. 
And I think that since they won't have that approach, since it'll be in Bryant Denny, I think they're going to have a really strong showing. Um, and then on top of that, I think it's really, really good that this bye week is coming up right after that because you have two weeks to kind of, you know, fix those mistakes and work on those issues and hopefully, you know, find time to shut out that outside noise. So um, just before we moved on, I really wanted to bring that up because I think their mentality and their approach to this game was really probably at least half the story. <laughs> and uh, hopefully, you know, they'll be able to kind of turn that around and, and get things going. No, absolutely on that. I, I definitely agree. There's there's kind of just a lot to look forward to both internally and externally with this Alabama with Alabama defense. So we're going to see how they kind of respond. We do. By the time this podcast comes out, you we will not have the chance to talk to Kool-Aid, but Kool-Aid McKendrick is scheduled to speak tomorrow. So we'll get to see hear his thoughts about looking forward to Mississippi State. But as, as we're wrapping up, the last main topic we're talking about is Alabama football is not the only Crimson Tire program to face Mississippi State this week. Alabama soccer will be ready to take on Mississippi State this Thursday after defeating Arkansas 2-1 to yesterday, well, Sunday, I should say, specifically. Alabama soccer is now ranked number one in the RPI poll. And, Joey, look, it's just been an amazing run by the Crimson Tide. Wes Hart, you know, got a chance to speak to the media today, and he just shared now you know, this team kind of just, you know, years in the making. It wasn't that great, especially on the road early on. You know, they were ranked 100 and, around 130th when West Hart took the job in 2015. And now they're, they have the chance to, you know, basically lock up the SEC West with, with three games to go. They have Mississippi State this Thursday. They have Florida at home this, sun, this coming Sunday. And then they'll end the regular season with Soccer's Iron Bowl going to Auburn to take on the Tigers next Thursday. So, Joey, just some final thoughts before we kind of wrap up the podcast. What are your, what have you seen from Alabama soccer that you're liking this year? Well, I mean, I'm liking them all around, and it's hard not to. You know, they have a 14 1 1 record, um, and they, you know, they only lost to Miami one uh, at Miami 1 nothing early on, and they had the 1 1 tie at, U- at Utah in that, you know, that three, uh, that three game road trip <laughs> to Utah. But, you know, I, I really like what I've seen so far. And, you know, I kind of mentioned this when we were talking to Wes uh, on the podcast last week about how, you know, I covered, this was my first beat that I covered and covered them when they had a, they had a really talented group of fre- a couple of freshmen in 2018, but then they had a really big class in 2019 that was ultra talented and just kind of seeing the, these women grow and, 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 you know, just get, obviously they were solid then, but They've really developed, and McKinley Crone is playing lights out. She was actually named the SEC Defensive Player of the Week this week. Um, and just, you know, there's still one more poll left to go, but in two of them so far, they're number one. So um, I'm really looking forward to seeing how that plays out. This is obviously a huge road trip to Mississippi State, you know, and if they can get that win, then they lock up pretty much the conference at that point. And, you know, it's just – it shows how – if you truly do believe in a program, you know, a lot of times, you know, things can happen. You know, this is a team that we've been watching develop for a long time, slowly, but surely under West Hart. And just one final quick, speaking of programs that are developing, you know, a shout out to the the other team that's playing Mississippi State this week, Alabama Baseball. Uh, they will be, I had to get my baseball in there somewhere. Uh, they'll be playing Mississippi State on Friday as well in a scrimmage. So the Bulldogs come to Tuscaloosa in, in, uh, in three ways this weekend. Um, so after, well, Alabama plays Mississippi state and soccer out on the road, but the other two will be in Tuscaloosa. So a lot of bulldogs this week, and it's a, uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Really excited about all these, uh, all these solid games we got coming up. Of course, shout out to Brad Bohannon. Always a great coach to talk to. You know, we've seen, we got a chance to see 
Alabama's baseball team, you know, just in practice and some scrimmages, they they look really solid. A lot of potential power with their bats, a lot of, you know, left-handed left -handed power. So I'm looking forward to see how they do. But as we're getting wrapped up, Katie, from out in terms of Alabama soccer, just to remind you, Felicia Knox is still holding the NCAA lead with 14 assists. Alabama's offense is third with averaging three goals a game. So as we're wrapping up here, what are your two cents on Alabama soccer as we kind of just watch this historic season take place? I think the biggest thing is just kind of the resiliency they've shown. You know, Joe, you mentioned that Utah game that was tied 1-1. Um, you know, that they scored that goal, I think, in like the 87th minute or something just to tie it up. And then this past game against Arkansas, you know, they're um, – it's – they're, they're down early. They come back to tie the game, and then they score the goal late from Ashton Srepka to win the game. So I think they've shown resilience and ways to win. And I, I liked what Wes Hart said when we talked to him on Monday about when he brought up that when he started Alabama was uh, around 230th in RPI, which just to clarify um, for people that may not know, RPI is not like ranked or, you know, based on human votes. It's, you know, a, a formula that's determined. And so – I think it was a really good point because I think there's a lot of times programs at Alabama or any college you kind of look down on and, oh, that program's never going to be good. It's never going to have success, whether it was soccer or women's basketball or whatever. There's certain programs that Alabama fans are used to being good, like gymnastics or softball or, you know, the men's and women's golf that have won national championships and some of the programs that have struggled for a little bit, like volleyball under first-year head coach. You know, soccer was that way once where they were really struggling. And so – um, 230 is pretty bad. Um, and now to have vaulted all the way up to number one and something like that, truly, it's very impressive. Um, you know, we'll have to see how Alabama can maintain that success through the rest of the regular season and the postseason. But um, it's super impressive what they've been able to do. Thank you. Thank you so much for that, Katie. We appreciate you. And with that, we are going to wrap up the podcast. It is a lot of bulldog coverage and a lot of otherwise coverage for Alabama Christmas Tide Athletics. So looking forward to this week. Again, just a reminder, Alabama soccer plays Mississippi State 6.30 p.m. Central Time on Thursday. The Alabama versus Mississippi State football game will be this Saturday. <clears throat> excuse me. This Saturday at 6 p.m. Central Time. It will be broadcasted on ESPN. But with, with that, that will do it for the All Things Bama podcast. Again, I'm Mason Smith alongside Joey Blackwell and Katie Windham. We'll see you next time.